Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network wherever you are. This is the delayed broadcast bringing you the delayed news with delayed, a positively different delayed breakfast show in the morning. You're with Lyle and... Mine. Good morning, delayed people. (laughs) If your life is not delayed like this show is delayed. (laughs) (laughs) We think you're getting this the day after the show actually went to air. Which in this case would be Monday. We're not not sure. It could be like a week late. Who knows? We recorded this on Friday. Friday the, what, 20-something? 23rd. 23rd of November. Can you believe November's nearly gone? I know, right? It just went poof. And there it was. It was gone. It was gone. Okay, so that's, uh, yes. Uh, <laughs> what are you grateful for this morning, Lyle? I am grateful for hard passages of the Bible. Oh, we have some fun studying stuff out, huh? Yes. We're going to discuss this on the next show. We are. Okay, cool. I'm excited about that. You'll have to wait for it. It's okay. going to be fun. Okay, cool, it's, cool, cool. It's going to be cool. all good. Cool. What are you grateful for, man? I'm so grateful because yesterday your wife took me shopping and we went to this Uh-oh. place called Babina, Uh-oh. which anyone in Newcastle will know is just a trove of yumminess. It's uh, it's like a bulk sort of store. It's huge, like a warehouse kind of a thing. And it has food from all over the world. So it's a really, really interesting. Like one aisle will be like the American aisle, then you have an Asian aisle, then you have like a German aisle, then a Swedish aisle. And it's just really, really delicious. And, uh, and they have um, bulk artichoke. So I bought this tin. It's like the size of my head. Um, and thankfully, like, it was only like $16, $17. And uh, it was like 2.5 kilos of artichoke, which they re- usually really, really expensive. So I'm super duper, pooper, scooper stoked about that. Cool. So you're going to be eating lots of artichokes? So much artichokes. It's going to come out of my ears. I'm going to make artichokes stew, actually. You know, there's two different kinds of artichokes. Oh. Yeah. There's an artichoke that looks like a flower. Years. There's another one that looks like a root. Well, that is a root. Oh, the Jerusalem artichoke. I don't know, it's a, so it's a root tastes like ants. Yeah, it tastes like ants. Do you say that about all root vegetables? Because that's like carrots, potatoes, turnips, parsnips. That's a lot of different things that's supposed to taste no, like No, ants. no, no, no. Just, just artichoke <laughs> ones. It tastes like ants. Oh, you're actually, funny. Actually, no, believe me, I actually really like the root one. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm pretty sure it's called Jerusalem Artichoke. Hey, give us a call and correct us or text us. Is it called the Jerusalem Artichoke? 0491-064-669. And why are you texting us? Text us what you're grateful for as well. We love hearing these stories. Coming up with today's news, we're going to talk about a uh, young man who just lost his life as a missionary. Yeah, it's very sad. Um, yes, yeah, it's, it's a very sad story. But uh, endeavouring to contact and to do good things, establish first contact with an uncontacted tribe. Mm, um, very tribe interesting. That is, that is probably uh, facing uh, Extinction in uh, coming years, and uh, a tribe that probably needs to be contacted to be able to actually preserve them. That's right. But one that doesn't want to be contacted, of course, he was uh, speared to death. But yeah, very. We sad do story. have some good news. Amazing Christmas bonus that we would all want to get. But yeah, stay tuned for that.
goodness faileth never Good shepherd may I sing your praise Within your house forever Within your house forever We're listening to I Am They, King of Love, here on Faith FM and Mon. As we come to Friday, the end of the week, what kind of a quiz are you going to bring to us? An I'm easy re- one, a hard one, or a medium one? Nah, I'm going to do a hard one. It's Friday. We all need a break, y'all. Uh, so this is a... This is a um a what am I quiz. So okay. not who am I, it's a what am I. And the first clue is, God said this was crouching at Cain's door. Hmm, a little bit cryptic. Any idea what that is, Yeah, Lyle? I'm getting there. I'm getting there. It'll be there in just a moment. <laughs> Give us a call if it's reached you quicker than it's reached Lyle. <laughs> my, my, my brain is starting to slow down at the end of the week. I know the answer to this one. Uh huh. Well, give us a call if you know the answer. The number is one eight hundred Faith FM. It's one eight hundred three two four eight four three. Lyle has indeed got it correct. He's just written it down and showed me. Uh, so give us a call. Uh, you can text us if you prefer. Our number is o four nine one zero six four six six nine. And if you get it right, of course we're going to send you the prize today. Uh, Lyle. Yes. I have some really cool news. Cool. Let me just quickly uh, put my quiz aside. So, do you think that we're going to get a Christmas bonus working here at Faith? (laughs) (laughs) Mon, you are hilarious. (laughs) We do get to go on a Christmas cruise, right? Yes. Have you ever gotten a Christmas bonus? I feel like this is something that's not really done in Australia. Is this something that's done in Australia? Christmas bonuses? Got some some Bunnings gift cards once. Oh, okay. Oh, yes. I've had that kind of thing as well. Yep, yep. But not, not like, you know, huge... Um, but yeah, and uh, I've gone on a Christmas cruise before. <coughs> We're going on another one, aren't yeah, we? About four hours of cruising around water, kind of. Thing. <laughs> well, there's more of that coming up in like a couple of weeks. <laughs> I want to tell you the coolest story about this super rich guy who actually did something amazing. So his name is Mark Bayada. He's the chairman and founder of Bayada Home Healthcare, um, which is, you know, a series of uh, private nursing homes and um, and that kind of, you know, facility, which is probably has big money in. Um, and this guy, he's worth $1.4 billion. So he's made, he's made, uh, he's made a pretty good um, run of it in his lifetime. He's now 71 years old. But he was doing some reflecting uh, just recently and he was looking back over his, you know, his career. Mm-hmm. And he realized that so much of his success is actually based up, uh, was actually because of his staff. His wonderful staff, um, you know, because his staff have, you know, clients that look after these people, you know, they look after the, the, the elderly that are um, moving into the nursing homes, that kind of thing. And um, and so I thought, you know what, I'm going to I'm gonna show them my gratitude. Often people, when they get to, you know, the later stages in life, they start to rethink the way they've lived their younger days. And so he's made some changes financially. Um, one of them, for example, is that, you know, he's working towards turning his, converting his entire business into a non-for-profit by January so that um, they can start putting mission over money, which is a beautiful move to start off with. Yeah, yeah. But um, uh, to continue with that, I should say, but he's starting off, get this, he's taking $20 million, dividing it up and giving it to every single staff member. In his company, wow, twenty million dollar Christmas joking. bonus. Yeah, so he. <laughs> so how many staff does he have? Okay, so he has. He does have like thirty two thousand people working for him. 
Okay. So it'll still be quite a bit, but and, and they're not all going to get the same amount. So obviously there's like people in here who've been working there a lot longer, like, you know, uh, staff members with seniority will be given a, a bit chunk more and then, and then newer workers will be given like a little bit less, more modest sum. But the other cool thing is he, he's even giving money to, to former workers. So basically anyone who retired from his company after 2010, eight years ago, are still going to get checks in the mail. Oh, you're kidding! Yeah, so even even retired like people who used to work for him are gonna get. I guess so. There's twenty million dollar Christmas bonus. It's such a sweet move, and uh, <laughs> so he actually it's a fair chunk of money. It's a huge chunk of money. So he um he called a meeting uh, and he called a meeting at a hotel, like a little Christmas party kind of thing, and told them he had a surprise for them. And he said, "I wanted to thank you for all the work you've done. You know, for making you know this business success, for taking care of our clients." And then tells them 20 million bucks are coming your way. And apparently, like, there was not a single dry eye in the audience. Can you imagine? <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> yeah, that's pretty impressive. He said, he said, I just want to say thank you to all of them. Thanksgiving is a season of gratitude. You look around your yeah. life and say, I am so fortunate. Absolutely. It's absolutely true. Yeah, that's, that's wonderful. Yeah. Hey, I just want to tell you about something real quick. Yeah, yeah, go and on. I'm going to mention this probably a little bit more later on as well. But um, health, free health expo today. Oh yeah, we always forgot about that. Eh? November twenty three from nine a.m. to one. Is that today? Yes, yep, it is. I That's think today. It is today. Yeah, today. It's today. Yeah, from nine to one at the Warrabrook Community Hall, uh, which is six Angafora Drive, Warrabrook. And, of course, that is where uh, our regular uh, David Stojic, um, that's where his uh, church and um, his counselling all operates from. They're using those facilities there. This would be an excellent, excellent yeah. opportunity to get along, get a free health check. Yeah, absolutely. Um, go through a whole, you go through, go through a whole, you go through all these different stations mm. where they'll check this and then check that and check the other and then they'll be able to, okay, this is where you're at and this is how you can improve it and these are mm-hmm. some of the positive mm-hmm. changes that you can make in your life and uh, there'll be free material to give away and... Uh, yeah, if you- if you have some free time today, this is definitely what you should be doing. Like, if you have some time off, it's only from 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. So head on down there. It, it, it's a completely free health expo, and they do teach um, eight simple keys to complete health. So get on down there and um, learn about the eight simple steps to complete health. And uh, it's, eight simple Bible steps to good health. Yeah, actually, they're, they're really great Bible steps. So, yeah. and they've been just continuously proven correct through modern yeah, science. About the last three and a half thousand years yeah, of modern science it, just, keeps, <laughs> just keeps proving them correct. So if you have some time today, nine till one, give us a call here if you want some more info, uh, 1-800-FAITH-FM. Um, but it is at the Warrabrook Community Hall there in Warrabrook. So head on down there today, get your free health check. So I definitely recommend doing that. I've done it before. It's really, really great. Yeah, I've done yeah. it. I've done it too. I did yeah. one in Perth because it's a, it's a health expo that travels around. The, um, it's funded by Newstart and it's really good. Mm-hmm. Really good. They have yeah. different stations and you can get everything checked. So like one station, I'll test your BMI. And the next station, I'll test your blood pressure. The next station, I'll test your, your fitness level. And then you feel like a little form about your diet and they give you a little of a um, go over your diet. It's really, really good. Yeah, yeah. Really good. It is sensational. I did it in Sydney one time, and yeah, fantastic. Now, like, do you, you know, do you know any people that have been to went to Vietnam, the Vietnam War, served in the Vietnam War? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, 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 yeah. I think we all know someone that you know. Yeah. We know numerous people that served in Vietnam. Yeah, I think most of the vets that are around today are, are, are Vietnam vets. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, We've yeah. got very, very few World War Two vets or Korean War vets, <coughs> but we certainly got mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. a lot of Vietnam vets out there. Absolutely. I have a story, a good news story about something that came out of the Vietnam War. Okay. Yeah, would you believe? So there's a, a soldier called John Metzler. Uh, he was serving in the Vietnam War. He was over there in Vietnam and he got a Christmas card from a little girl he didn't know. And uh, and he said it really helped him get through the war. So it's 
like often like the schools like they get kids to write cards to the soldiers and they send them over Christmas cards to just encourage the the people who are over in Vietnam and uh, apparently the letter arrived on Christmas Day 1970 and all it said was dear servicemen I want to give my sincere thanks for going over to fight the war for us our class hopes that you are able to come home safely oh wow just just this sweet little girl (laughs) and uh, he was 23 at the time he was a, a helicopter sniper at the time, mm-hmm. and he didn't know the girl, but he said he took it very personally, and he said it it it, it meant more, it means more to him today than when he actually got it because he realised that you know just a little glimmer of hope that people were thinking about him, that people were praying for him, um, it got him through the war, yep. which would have been very difficult, especially to yeah, have a, a lot of a, I know that's that's yeah, and a lot of a lot of PTSD came out of that war. Uh huh. Yes. Um, yeah. The, the Vietnam conflict was a terrible, terrible conflict. A lot of a lot of people didn't survive from that, and you know, I'd say, hey, it got him through the war. Praise God for that, and possibly got him through the uh, the PTSD that um, typically followed Vietnam vets. Well, so decades later, <coughs> fast forward to now, uh, John is an old man, and um, and he found the card, and he asked his family members to help find this little girl. <coughs> so apparently, the letter was signed Donna Kay, and uh, and they found online a Donna Kay Ludman Sika, and uh, and. Turns out it was the same little girl. <laughs> and so they met the up. Wonders of Facebook, right? Yeah, exactly. So they actually met up. They had like a little party where they where they had like a, I can't really say reunion because I'd never met before, but uh-huh. he was able to thank her in person uh, for her for her card that helped him through a really difficult time. And uh, and I can't even watch the video. Like, I'm just looking at the thumbnail of the video and I know I'm going to like cry a bucket if I watch that. <laughs> so I'm, like, I'm not watching that. <laughs> I, I get the on, picture from the story. Put it no, on, put it no, on. I dare you to. No, 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 no. I can't watch that. I it's been just, too long I'll since you cried on air. <laughs> <laughs> no, I can't. I can't do it. But yeah, but how beautiful is that? Just, you know, what's it been like 40, 50 years since that war? Something like that, yeah. I, yeah, 1970? Yep. Yeah, it's like 50 years, 40, 48 years. Um, be- just a beautiful moment for them to, to have that. Oh, I still can't say reunion, but I don't know how to say it. Like to have A get-together. Yeah, a get-together. A meet. Yeah, yeah, a thank-you get-together. Yes. So, yeah. But we share these good news stories on, on, our, on our channel every morning so that you can uh, be encouraged in your day-to-day uh, life. And we hope that you take a moment to look around you and uh, and take a look at what you're grateful for this morning, and also take a look at what you can do to make somebody else's life happy. Yeah, and if you if you've found something that you're grateful for, text it to us and share it with us. We love to hear gratitude stories. Our number here is zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. Text us your gratitude, and uh, we'd love to share it and make other people happy with it as well. Letting go of every single dream. Each one down at your feet Every moment of my wandering Never changes what you see I've tried to win this war, I confess My hands are weary, I need your rest Mighty warrior, king of the fight 
Listening to Lauren Daigle, trusting you here on Faith FM. Time for another clue for our quiz. What was it that was crouching at Kane's door? Yes, I was trying to get, <laughs> trying to trying to get the uh, trying to get the right word there without I thought, saying it. Yeah, without saying it because it was like if I get this wrong, it's going to make it super obvious. Okay, uh-huh. so what was crouching at his door? Okay, clue number two, a little bit cryptic. I am the sting of death. That's a bit cryptic, isn't it? Very cryptic. Very cryptic indeed. If you know the answer, you know the number. 1-800-324-843 or text us on 0491-064-669. Well, I've got a rather sad story for you this morning, Mon. Oh, after all that sweet, happy news. Yeah, it's kind of a bit that way. This is um, John Allen Chow, a Christian missionary who uh, uh, was just martyred um, trying to contact the uh, North Sentinelese um, in the North Sentinel Islands, in the Andaman Islands, in the uh, Bay of Bengal. Oh. And uh, he was um, either speared to death or shot by arrows. We're not exactly sure yet as his body has not been recovered. Is this an untouched tribe? Yeah, it's a, non- a non-contacted tribe and the world's most um, isolated tribe. Oh, really? Yeah, and, and you I, you know, I did not think of it as being a part of India. Yeah, I, I'm surprised. I, I know when you say untouched tribes, I almost automatically think, oh, Amazon. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. South America, Papua New Guinea, that's where, you know, we, we normally, um, we, we normally think associate of those kind of tribes, un- uncontacted yeah. tribes. But yes, the most uncontacted tribe, the most really? isolated tribe um, in existence is this particular one in the Andaman Islands, which is in the Bay of Bengal. Wow. Okay. And is a uh, 
pretty much a sovereign island under Indian protection is mm-hmm. how you would describe it. Um, India has placed a uh, three nautical mile exclusion zone around the island. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is an island that uh, the population have violently ejected any form of intrusion ever mm-hmm. um, over the years. They have remained isolated for you know possibly thousands of years without any contact with the outside world. The first, I guess, uh, Western contact came in the uh, mid eighteen hundreds, mm-hmm. um, and it was at that time you know a few shipwrecks and that kind of thing there, where people had to vigorously defend themselves from the islanders who were trying to destroy them. Um, they have no their language. As far as can be studied, there were six of them that were captured in the 1880s and, and brought to the mainland. That their, their language is not related to any other language known on Earth. Wow. Because they've been so isolated. Uh-huh. And out of the six that were brought to the mainland, the, uh, the, the two parents died very quickly, just got sick and died. And so the, the children were take back, taken back to the island. Um, and so you can sort of you can you can see some reasons as to why they would be very suspicious of outsiders. Outsiders Absolutely. typically come and raid their water for fish, mm. uh, which is something they rely on heavily. And so whenever uh, they get a chance, I guess they they shoot at fishermen. A couple of fishermen died in two thousand and six when their um, outboard motor died and they drifted ashore, Uh-oh. and uh, and they were killed there on the beach. Um, several shipwrecks have have taken place on the island, and they've. Um, had to be rescued by helicopter, mm. um, but you know when, whenever India has tried to do it, you know take a census of the island either by by you know cruising around it or flying over it in helicopters, they've been pretty typically uh, met by a hail of uh, arrows. So yeah, it's a um, an interesting place and somewhere where I would not have expected an uncontacted tribe to be. Yeah, absolutely, neither me at yeah. all. Yeah, but John Allen Chow, a uh, devout Christian. Uh, Definitely an adventurer, but mm-hmm. somebody who really had a burden to take the gospel there, maybe in an ill-advised move, um, hired seven Indian fishermen to um, you know, charter their boat to, to take him to the island. Of course, this was against the law. Um, they've, they've now all been arrested and may face homicide charges. Oh, really? India does not prosecute uh, Sentinelese, mm-hmm. North Sentinelese. Um, it leaves them uncontacted, but they may prosecute the men who took uh, him there because they knew it was a dumb yeah, idea. It was, well, it was a legal mm-hmm. thing to do, mm-hmm. and uh, they, they they took him and, and towed him across. He landed with his kayak, mm-hmm. and they anchored offshore at a prearranged spot. Um, he did make contact on the first day. Um, he took gifts of fish and uh, a soccer ball. Mm-hmm. Um, and that went well until somebody shot an arrow at him, which hit a book that he was carrying, thankfully, um, after which he left. When he got back to the shore, he found that his kayak was damaged. He swam out to the boat, spent the night on the boat, um, wrote up all of his experiences, returned the next day, and, uh, yeah, nothing was seen until later in the day they saw the uh, the local people dragging his body along the beach. So oh. they know that he's passed away. They uh, There's possibly no way of actually... Recovering his body, but yeah, it's a really sad thing. Oh, it's it's a bit heartbreaking. It is heartbreaking, and it's sort of you know, these are the last. Um, what do they describe them as? The last pre-Neolithic tribe on Earth. Really? So pre-Neolithic. That's incredible. Um, 
And so um, it, it does raise the issue of uncontacted tribes. And, you know, there are... Yeah, because, you know, every, every person has to have an opportunity to choose Christ. Well, there's, there, there's, there's, there's sort of two sides to this story. Mm-hmm. You know, you can, you can understand why they reject contact with the outside world because pretty much all of the contacts they've had with the outside world have been negative contacts. Yeah, absolutely. Um, they've either brought disease and death or they have brought... Uh, violence or in slavery or mm-hmm. something like this. And, of course, we live in a world today where there are good people who would love to bring good things to the island. And you can imagine you've got an island that's, that's seven, seven kilometres wide by 7.8 kilometres long. The population is estimated to be around about 40. It could be up to 400. It's completely forested, heavily, heavily forested. They really have no idea how many people live on the island. Um, census reports is just you know taken by cruising around in a boat and counting how many people are on the beach basically that come out to see what's going on. Yeah. I'm uh, surprised they haven't like thought to fly a drone in there or something. Yes. I'm, I'm you're making me so curious. Like, <laughs> I want to get down there, I want to check it out, I want to fly Well, you know, you, and this is the other thing. You have a story like this that breaks worldwide and, of course, that's going to increase people's curiosity. Absolutely. You're going to have yachties that are going to be uh, cruising the shore and having a look through their uh, binoculars, all this kind of thing, because, you know, it's an uncontacted tribe. Who, mm-hmm. You know, you can sort of – and I wonder, you know um, – <laughs> The, the cynical side of me wonders how much of uh, how much of this was just a, you know an adventurer going out. Yeah. Uh, the, the reason I say that is because I know somebody who had a great burden to go to uncontacted tribes, but having known that individual, he was an adventurer, mm-hmm. not so much a missionary, mm-hmm. but an adventurer. Uh, but from you know all of the reports that we've we've had from his friends and his family, it seems that this man definitely did have a uh, a real burden for these people. And of course, the other thing is that there is so much that can be done now that we understand how to reach out to these tribes, to immunize they immunize them from Western diseases, mm-hmm. and to uh, you know to be able to bring help. Obviously, there's a tribe that is not sustainable because of interbreeding. Uh, if yeah, nothing else. true. You know, the other un- uncontacted tribes that you have in the world don't have that problem. They're not living on an island. They're living in Papua New Guinea or they're living in, in uh, South America and they do interbreed with tribes around them. And so interbreeding is not such a uh, – is not, it is not – but this is, this is the most isolated group on the planet. Um, so some very, very unique challenges – uh, that they have right there. I wonder what our listeners think about contacting them. If you think that they should be contacted, if it were possible, give us a call. And uh, and also give us a call if you think that we just need to butt out, mind our own business and leave them to it. I can understand where the Indian, Indian government is coming from. I'm going to share my opinion. Mm-hmm. My opinion is that uh, if this tribe is not contacted, it will go extinct. And that would be a tragedy. Yeah, absolutely. You know, this is a unique people group. They speak a unique language. Um, it is believed... This is interesting. It is believed that they are of actual African descent rather than Indian descent. Oh, so they've you know somehow crossed, a, traveled across from Africa rather than from India, mm-hmm. and so there are different uh, a, a different kind of race that you have there. Uh, but you know, when you've got a tribe that is this isolated and that is you know facing extinction, then I think that the sooner we make contact, the better. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that we can actually preserve this very special people group. Someone needs to go in there with like spear-proof vests. Yeah, there's probably um, better ways of, of going in there than, you know, just a, a random uh, missionary by mm-hmm. himself yeah. kind of yeah. situation. Uh, I think that, you know, initial contacts are going to be very challenging, but maybe this man has paved the way 
uh, for contact to be made and for these people to actually uh, survive. Maybe they can grease the first meeting by airdropping gifts for a couple of months beforehand so they're all in a good mood. <laughs> There's probably that. lots of different things that can be done. Yeah, There's yeah. definitely lots of different things that be can, can be done. Um, but yeah, around our world right now, there are estimated to be more than 100 uncontacted tribes. Wow. Uh, the last one found in Australia was in 1984, the last one in the United States, 9-11, and Mexico, 1924. Anyway, this is uh, Jaden Levick with Amazing Grace as we move on with the show. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound saved a wretch like me I once was lost but now I'm found was blind but now I see oh 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 thank God I'm free it was great
You're listening to Jaden Levick with Amazing Grace here on Faith FM this morning. And uh, Mon, before we get into our interview of the day, you've got another clue for our quiz there. Yes, another similarly cryptic clue for our What Am I quiz. The third clue is, evil desire gives birth to me and I give birth to death. <laughs> what gave birth to death? Possibly Give us a call if you know the answer. One eight hundred Faith Heaven is our number, of course. Okay, we have uh, Martin from the Australian uh, uh, Christian Lobby on the phone again this morning. Uh, Martin, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks for having me again, Lyle and Monica. Now, uh, Martin, we understand you're going to be talking about the uh, Save Our Schools campaign this morning. I understand that you're going to be uh, meeting with Scott Morrison. Uh, what is it next week or something or other to discuss this uh, um, subject? What's what's this all about? Tell us tell us what it's all about. Well, you're right. So uh, we're, I'm going to uh, hand over to Scott Morrison a letter uh, that we've written, and um, the letter essentially calls on the government not to make any changes to uh, the rules around uh, Christian schools in Australia. Don't change uh, the, the laws around how they uphold their ethos. Now, this is it's just incredible that this has happened because some people may remember that the Sydney Morning Herald, it was, in fact, uh, published a story a while ago which claimed that this Ruddock review into religious freedom that the government's going to release soon recommend that the government passed so the, yeah, rec- uh, they, they claim that the Ruddock Review contains recommendations that Christian schools be able to expel kids just because they're gay or just because they're same-sex attracted. Now, that was a lie. No such recommendations are in the Ruddock Review. It was just it was unbelievable, just a straightforward untruth published in you know, the mainstream media. Um, and so there was a big furor around this, and, uh, but the damage was done. And very quickly... Uh, it emerged that it wasn't true, but already the story was doing the rounds, and so they had to try and find some other target for their for their uh, campaign. And they discovered that this recommendation, in fact, wasn't in the Ruddock Review. This is existing law. This is Section Thirty Eight of the Sex Discrimination Act. It actually does, in theory, that section does, in theory, allow a school to expel a student because they're gay. But here's the thing. Uh, I've spoken to all the schooling movements, all the Christian schooling and religious schooling movements, um, and uh, and and none of them are doing that. None of yeah, them. Yeah, I've, never, I've never, never heard of anything like that whatsoever at all. And I think that uh, you know most Christians would be up in up in arms and uh, you know, be create, create quite the furor if there was a Christian school that did that. Well, that's exactly right, and it's a real shame that uh, in the background was this other lie simmering away, which was the notion that Christian schools would actually want to do that. Um, and all of the Christian schooling movements quickly came out and said, well, hang on, we've never asked to be able to do that. Uh, and, uh, and in fact, we don't do that. And so then there was a move on to repeal Section 38 of the Sex Discrimination Act because they said we have to protect the gay kids in schools. Now, they don't because the gay kids in schools are getting the protection. They're not getting expelled for that reason. But here's the deal. And in politics, you always put your antenna up when, uh, when somebody's... Um, arguing for a change and you can't understand why you sit there thinking but but they don't need it but this isn't happening uh and there's something else the devil's in the details section 38 actually contains a whole raft of protections for christian schools a whole raft uh in section 38 it, it has the law which allows them to for example employ staff which are wholly in accord with their ethos religious and moral ethos so people who uphold their christian values uh without section 38 that's toast um, for example, it contains uh, provisions that mean that if they teach biblical values at school, uh, people can't claim that that's, uh, that's indirect discrimination against transgender kids or gay kids or whatever. The school is able to 
uh, proclaim its, you know, biblical values, its Christian values, it's able to weave them through the curriculum, uh, and nobody's going to sue them for it. So there's a whole range of really important protections in Section 38, but because of this political maelstrom that sort of fired up, uh, there's a real proposal to repeal Section 38. And if that happens, and it's unfortunately, oh, you know, it's touch and go here, mm-hmm. if that happens, then the very existence, the very integrity of religious schools in Australia will be under threat because they'll be compromised in what they're able to teach. Okay, is it possible to just repeal that one part of Section 38 that uh, deals with, you know, expelling, um, you know, gay homosexual students and, uh, and, and leave the rest of the protections in place? Well, it would be possible to rewrite it um, because if they were to say, if they were to repeal that one part, it would have other effects as well. I mean, um, so I mean, we would, don't, as you say, nobody's doing this. But let's say that we have correct. some little radical, random school somewhere in the country that pops its head up and decides, yeah, yeah, we're going to do this. Then uh, you know, we wouldn't, no, nobody would be happy about that. And if sure. we if we were to change that part, then we can solve that problem, as far as I can see, without without creating a whole raft of other problems. Well, exactly. So uh, it is possible to rewrite that part in such a way uh, that that particular issue is solved, but none of the other stuff is lost. Unfortunately, the politics of this have gone the other way, uh, particularly from Labor and the Greens that actually upped the ante. So the government was just going to repeal a small part of the section. Um, and then Labor and the Greens said, no, no, we're not going to come in on this unless you repeal the whole thing, uh, which is really bad. Uh, and now there's a big political fight about it. And the whole point of this letter is to ask the government to just stop and go, no, no, hold the line, and at, at, at best, just redraft that little section, but don't touch anything else. Uh, make sure that Christian schools can remain Christian schools. Make sure they can hire staff that um, you know model their ethos. Make sure they can teach uh, Christian and biblical values uh, through the school curriculum. Uh, make sure that you know when it comes to disciplinary action within the student body, they're able to actually apply Christian values to the decisions they take about behaviour and so forth. Um, I think this is really, really important because, you know, these Christian schooling communities, they, they are over 30% of all students in Australia attend a Christian school. It's, it's, it's nudging 40%. They're a huge part of our education system. And the parents who send their kids to those schools make tremendous sacrifices to do so. It costs a lot of money to put your kids. And, you know, these are often just working parents and they save up and they work hard and they make sacrifices because they trust the school because the ethos of the school is what they want for their children. And it's actually the parents' voices in all of this that haven't been heard. There's been lots of activists shouting very loudly. There's been journalists writing articles. But my concern is that the voice of the parents is heard. So this letter that I'm taking to Scott Morrison, it's online. And the whole point is that as many parents, grandparents and students who are attending Christian schools go on there and sign this and add their name to it so that we can take tens of thousands of parents signatures, the key people in this debate, the voting parents who make the sacrifices to Scott Morrison and say, look, there's a groundswell of support for Christian schools, don't muck them up. And that's really what they need right now in the political world, because there's a lot of pressure from the other side. It's time that our side stood up. Um, and so that's what we're calling for. Okay, so there's there's also the issue of that's sort of coming to my mind, you know, is there a, are there protections here for, uh, you know, gay, for homosexual students and those kind of things to, to be protected from... Um, from bullying and those kinds of, uh, you know, we don't want to see that taking place. We don't want to see them, um, you know, discriminated against in, in uh, you know, made to feel like they are less of a human being, so to speak. Do we have protections for that, you know, for, for those kind of situations? 
Well, there are general protections uh, in law where you can't discriminate against somebody uh, because of their sexual orientation, gender identity, and all those sorts of things. So if you were to subject them to some detriment, yeah, they'd probably have a, a, a legal action uh, to, to take. And in fact, I've known of a number of cases where uh, there have been uh, legal actions taken because of alleged discrimination in different different places around the country. That's, um, that's, that's easy enough to do, and, uh, and, and that's already in law. Um, I would just emphasise again, and look, nobody, look, if, there's, if, if, if kids are, have um, sexual orientation or, or identity issues and things like that, um, you know, uh, nobody wants them to suffer uh, detriment or to be bullied or to be marginalised yeah, or absolutely. anything like that. And that's mm. not what the Christian schooling movement's about. I mean, uh, that's absolutely not on. And I've spoken to uh, all the leaders of the various Christian school movements in the country, and they would all be affronted at the suggestion that in their schools um, that sort of thing could happen. They would say, no, 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 uh, we have uh, a very extensive support program place we actually care deeply about every child in the school and our whole ethos and i'm quoting now our whole ethos is to journey with each child uh and to help them and to strengthen them and to give them the resources they need to live life you know for example to expel somebody for misconduct for example is is an absolute last resort nobody's going to do that they're going to first no matter what the issue is they're going to first come to the kid and they're going to help them uh and you know, we've had those conversations, and the Christian schools actually are, are they're wonderfully pastoral environment. Um, this is one of the great things, and, and, and as Christian schooling movements, uh, they share the love a little bit. People say, well, does this apply to Jewish and Muslim schools? Well, yes, but those schooling movements are much more insular. They're very much for their own, uh, and so they're not open to the, to, the, to the scrutiny that the Christian schools are, because Christian schools share the love. They, they create these Christian communities. They create these environments where there's wonderful values and there's kids that are cared for in a particular way. They make the schooling movements desirable for parents, uh, and then they open them up. And, you know, people who aren't from Christian backgrounds, people, parents who aren't Christians themselves, they can all send their kids to this school. But the whole point is, but it's a Christian school, and it needs to be able to remain a Christian school. And they need to be able to uphold their ethos. Yeah, sure. And I would say, I would argue that, you know, Christian schools have been at the forefront of mm. fighting against bullying and, you know, ostracizing people, you know, from from any kind of minority group, whatever that minority, whether it's, you know, sexual orientation or race or language mm. or whatever it might be. Martin, I just want yeah, to talk um, worst case scenario. So if this, if this, if we're unsuccessful with uh, this Save Our School campaigns, um, is this a death knell for Christian schools? Like, would, how does that picture look if, it, if this doesn't work out for us? Look, it could be. So there's a number of, there's sort of, a, there's sort of a bad scenario and then there's a worst case scenario. Uh, under the bad scenario, it's going to be exceedingly difficult for schools to uh, bring any kind of biblical teaching or Christian teaching into uh, key parts of their curriculum or even if they talk about sexual issues and things like that. It's going to be pretty much impossible for them to do that. Uh, and that's the, that's the best case scenario if change happens. Uh, the worst case scenario is a situation where, yes, there's a bit of a death knell problem here, because not only can they not do that in their teaching, uh, but it's much broader. They can't actually have staff. They cannot use their Christian values. They cannot uh, use their moral and religious ethos of the school. They can't use that as a, as a yardstick to measure their staff. They can't say, look, staff member, you have to abide by our values. You have to abide by uh, our Christian ethos. And that's so important in a Christian school, because the staff are models uh, and the staff have to, you know, teach in a Christian environment and, and uh, they're all part of it. I went to a Christian school myself and uh, not to have mostly Christian staff or at least staff who are in accord with the ethos of the school undermines the whole show. 
Uh, and to lose that right, I believe, uh, definitely, and to lose the right in teaching really does just completely undermine the Christian nature of a school. So, yes, it could be very serious. Labor and the Greens are pushing for the more serious one at the moment, unfortunately, for whatever reason. Uh, and, uh, and the government's original proposal was not perfect, but it was a bit better. Uh, but what we're asking is for a recasting of the whole thing. Say, look, stop, stop, sound- stop, stop. This whole thing started on a lie. Let's back up a bit. It sounds a bit communistic, to be honest. It almost sounds <laughs> like we're heading down yeah. that path. But I'm, I mean, I'm thinking about all the Bible teachers, the scripture teachers out there who would suddenly, you know, if worst case scenario happened, they would be without a job. Like, what can they teach if they can't teach Bible? Like, I feel well, like they haven't thought exactly. this at all. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, it's probably they'd probably be allowed to teach some portions of the Bible, but but there'd be others that would be illegal to teach. I mean, there are some some countries in the world that are already going down that path, where um, yeah, there's some parts of the Bible, the Bible you just can't read in, read in public. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Well, that's right, and um, that's, you that's mentioned n- communistic. I mean, the issue is that if if the school's values aren't taught, someone else's values will be taught. That's right. And essentially, you've got a situation where the government's saying, "Well, here's the set of values. Teach this, or else." Okay, so coming um, back to yeah, sorry. No, go on. Yeah, Coming fine. back to what you were talking about before, worst case scenario, could the, could the could could it be potentially possible that you'd have a Christian school with non-Christian and even anti-Christian teachers? Absolutely, one hundred percent. You could have a Christian school which is infiltrated, if you like, by teachers who completely undermine uh, the entire ethos of the school, uh, and they won't be able to use their ethos as a measuring stick for hiring, firing, retaining, whatever, choosing staff. So uh, that is that is the worst case scenario. Uh, so you could have people in there who just completely undermine everything, um, and that's that's already an active issue that Christian schools deal with, and that's why they're very careful and cautious in their employment policies. Sure. Now, um, Prime Minister Scott Morrison is uh, probably more overtly Christian, more overtly devout than many of our other prime ministers in recent times. Uh, what's your mm-hmm. feeling on where his thoughts are at on this subject? Look, my feeling is that uh, his instinct is to keep things as they are and just say, look, things are working well. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Um, Leave Christian schools alone. And also, you know, you've got to remember that Scott Morrison, like all the other politicians, is a member of a political party and they hire and fire on this very principle. They have a set of political values and they say, uh, you know, people who come and become members of our party or people who stand for election or whatever, you have to abide by our party ethos. Otherwise, you're out. Um, and so they enjoy exactly the same rights for their political parties. In fact, they enjoy exemptions from anti-discrimination law to do that. So, you know, one of the arguments we make is, come on, politicians, you of all people know the truth here. But Scott Morrison's got that added, added layer where he is himself a Christian. And I believe that in his, in his heart of hearts, uh, he would like to see this day as it is and just, just move on. But unfortunately, he is dealing with formidable politics uh, within his own party. Uh, there's huge pressures coming forward on this. Uh, and so what we're trying to do is give him and others who would just share his, uh, share his position the ballast, the, the, the firepower that they need, the, 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 the foundation that they need to go into their political world and say, look, there's groundswell of support to keep Christian schools the way they are. Here's the letter. Here's all the parent signatures. So, you know, um, let's just keep it the way it is. Now, that's the way politics works. If you can demonstrate support, if you can demonstrate a groundswell of grassroots uh, influence, then, then you can be okay. So that's the point of the campaign, basically. But I do think that Scott Morrison's a good guy, and I, I do think he is leaning the right way on this, but he's facing difficult politics. Well, I would like to get my signature on there. Uh, we only have a couple of minutes left. Uh, Martin, can you just tell us how can we, the public, uh, get our signatures on there, get behind this campaign and, uh, and help sh- that this doesn't go through? Well, if you are a parent, a grandparent or a student uh, at a Christian school, go to saveourschools.org.au. Don't forget the .au. Uh, and it'll be there. You just click on I'm a parent, I'm a grandparent, I'm a student. 
putting your name, tell us what school you're at. We need to verify that. Well, we need to have that information just to show that, yes, these really are parents. Uh, and, and it's as simple as that. Um, and I'll get that letter to the PM next week and we'll see how the political debate plays out. But I'm optimistic. If we can get tens of thousands, there's already over 15,000 people signed it short in a pretty short period. If we can keep growing that number, I'm pretty confident that we can make a difference. Praise the Lord. That website again is saveourschools.org.au. If you want to head over to the Faith FM Facebook site, uh, we will put that up on our social so you can uh, click on that and just sign away, saveourschools.org.au. Thank you so much, Martin, for joining us. We really appreciate it. We might have to get you back on next week to tell us uh, how it all went with Scott Morrison. Thanks, guys. Always a great pleasure.
Forgiveness. It's easier said than done. But there's a program called Forgive to Live, designed to help us all improve our lives and discover the healing power of forgiveness. So if you're keen to take that first step, head to forgivetolive.org.au. Faith FM, positively different radio. 